0: Welcome to season two of our Bold Conscious Connections podcast,
1: where we bring you stories, conversations and life experiences of those that have taken the journey and the leap of faith from employee to entrepreneurship.
0: Every week we will bring you interviews or messages from us about what it took for people to take this bold conscious journey.
1: So without further ado, let's get into our episode today.
0: Welcome, we're so excited for today's episode because today we are gonna feature our very own Raju Panjwani and hear about his own journey from employee to entrepreneurship. So yeah, let's let's hear all about what it took for you. To mm. finally leave your cushy corporate job to then venture into the unknown.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, this is this is right off the bat. Cushy is not how I related to my job. <laughs> uh, so I'd say to to settle that one quickly is that cushy was certainly people's perception of what my job was. That's exactly what yeah, I, I know, said. <laughs> so um so yeah um what did it take um you know
0: well let's backtrack let's backtrack to just sharing what your background was because we can't take for granted that someone listening today have listened to previous episodes so you know take us back to how you got into uh corporate what you Mm. did before let's just uh rewind a little well, bit.
1: I'll, I'll go back to the beginning then. Um, so 42 years ago, I landed uh, fresh off the boat uh, with eight bucks in my pocket with no job. And uh, frankly, it was... Um, from India, by from the India. way. From India, yeah. Uh, so we are all immigrant stories as well on top of corporate uh, entrepreneurship. So I think, um, you know, growing up in India and, and finishing all my education there, I actually had no clue about where, what the U.S. had in store for me. So long story short, um, you know, I was a I was a CPA, the the uh, what we call the equivalent is a chartered accountant in India, which uh, you know is is, uh, is a good starting point for many careers. And um, so I got myself a, a New York State CPA license, and you know was looking for a job, and I got one at a you know back in the day, 1980 was. Ten thousand dollars a year so that was my that was the beginning of my corporate career uh it was uh, going from one accounting firm to another uh with a really deep desire to be what used to be called the big eight at the time Mm -hmm. the big eight accounting firms were you know now they are big four they call them uh they merged and you know consolidated but so i was i was that was my goal and that was my inspiration to really keep doing what i was doing and um because and why is that it's because i worked for a big firm uh in india and at the smaller firms i just didn't feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. uh because i felt like i had a lot more to 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 contribute so that was how my career began and then one thing led to another and i finally landed um you know through various ways to to one of the big eight firms Mm -hmm. pricewaterhouse and that was um the cha- there was a real beginning of a, a big boost to my corporate career or the cushy world of Wall Street later on.
0: And then you were there for how long before you ended up at Morgan Stanley? And I only want to go through this sure. quickly because yeah, yeah. this is about employee to entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't want to also spend too much time. So I think, I, I let's say, um, not I think before I got to Morgan Stanley, I had worked at these three or four firms for a total of, um, eight years, seven or eight years. Okay. And then, then came Morgan Stanley in 1987. I was there for 18 years.
0: So over the course of 18 years, at what point did you recognize, perhaps that you had an entrepreneur in you?
1: Well, that's a whole other Pandora's box. Um, um, I don't know how much I can go through this here, but 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 uh, truth be told, uh, our community is actually one of entrepreneurs uh, from India, with the exception of my family and their their whole um, legacy, because they they this particular subset of our community did not uh, pursue entrepreneurship, and it was looked down upon. So for my entire life, I was programmed to really. Be of service in a work situation, work for an employer,
0: in a job, in a
1: job, and and never, don't even dare, jump into entrepreneurship because that was sort of a curse to our our little subset of our community. And I don't understand that. I've never understood that. But somewhere we had a, you know, I certainly had the streak of, um, you know being a businessman although apparently back then i had no clue what it meant Mm. um so yeah it was scary to to think about entrepreneurship uh for fear of getting punished by the by by the powers to be uh my dad and you know other other people in the family was just literally uh yeah it was looked down (laughs) upon that you would if you were if you were if you were if you're a businessman, chances are, or a business person, you're, chances are you're not educated.
0: Now, did you have any entrepreneurs in the family at all?
1: Not in my dad's side of the family or my mom's side of the family. Not really, no. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any role models to really mm-hmm. look up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of my dad's younger brother, who, who was an entrepreneur, and he left his job at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, he was forever cursed. Um, and, you know, that he never made money, he never did this, and he wasn't the most educated guy. And, and, and so I think there was a big correlation between education and business that if you're a business person, you are not educated. And I think that world has changed for sure. But it is just how I grew up.
0: Interesting. And so from the moment that you decided you wanted to leave Morgan Stanley what was it that pushed you over the edge because (sighs) to overcome that kind of programming that level of programming where your belief systems are really highly influenced by not just your parents but everybody around (laughs) you and we know what how hard it is when you don't have role models to show you a different way Mm -hmm. you know your parents your dad who is your most influential figure is telling you it's either this or it's that and then you don't have contradictory proof of it it's really you have no choice but just to believe them so how did you what was it that finally allowed you or you know what was it that allowed you to give yourself permission to say you know what I'm gonna go for it anyway
1: So I think that requires a little bit of background because as I look back at the jobs that I had, Mm -hmm. um, particularly, let's say, at Pricewaterhouse for those five years that I was there with with them, and I'd say majority of my 18 years at Morgan Stanley, I think the the work that I did, I thrived in jobs that were autonomous for me. In other words, like I had free reign uh, to, to... nurture a new client let's say or, get, or or get get on a new assignment because it hadn't it hadn't been done before so for me i was i was really building something brand new or i was in a messy i was in a I walked into a messy situation i had to turn it around mm-hmm. but i think there were, there were there were less of those but there were more of the former where it was always starting from scratch mm-hmm. and starting from scratch gave me the you know as i did that work and i felt like you know when i'm when I have free reign, when I'm, you know, I can't mess it up. I can only create it, or it's such an opportunity that that, uh, you know, I can't really do anything wrong with it. There'll always be people guiding me. There'll always be, you know, my bosses and my colleagues who who would uh, support me and always worked for those people that understood where where it was, the pros and the cons of getting into something, and so I felt supported. Um, but then all these these uh, initiatives were very much entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah, well, you can be entrepreneurial within in, a job, within a job, especially if your job calls for it. Correct. Uh, and yes, you know. Uh, so I think
1: that's then linked back, you know, it linked back for me to my childhood and say, I always wanted to be independent. Um, I always wanted to be my own person, and you know, who am I? So I think when I was eleven or twelve, I always had these existential questions that we ask at our old age too. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And you know, what am I still doing here? All of those things. And, and what is the bigger thing? And what is the bigger thing? So in, in all these um, assignments that I had, they were just really look at the last three that I had at Morgan Stanley were brand new. Mm-hmm. And so once, once you know that you can't mess it up, mm-hmm. I had the confidence. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't necessarily apply to entrepreneurship, you know, being an entrepreneur independently because I had my other lessons in of my entrepreneurship uh, subsequent to leaving. But I think there was an, a, a feeling of unfulfillment. The culture was changing at the firm. There were many factors and I, you can always find external factors to align with what you really are feeling, feeling. I can do more. I can do more. And I'm not, I'm not satisfied.
0: That feeling of I can do more yet. I'm, you know, and I'm not satisfied. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I have no doubt that that voice, that feeling is present for everybody, Mm. but whether or not people are willing to listen and hear and heed really Mm. depends on um, if the person is conscious to ask those existential questions why am i here mm. you know who am i what am i doing so can you speak a little bit more about that that piece of it because people watching they may already have heard parts of that mm. but it's so easy you know especially in a world where we have so much uncertainty in uh, around us and so much has already changed mm. and there's it feels like things are much more risky today than they ever were. So how do you how do you reconcile? um, You know, hearing that and at the same time, why? Why didn't you just do what most people do, which is talk yourself out of it? Because most people do talk themselves out of that,
1: believe me, I did. Um, I talked myself out of it many times. And, um, you know, my dad, uh, towards the end of his life, you know, was very very ill and i got the chance to spend the last five years of his life with him at home with us so you know he also perceived my itchiness to go do something different and he would warn me you know you know how it is you're, you know you're not designed or cut out for entrepreneurship uh, or, or being in business and he would re- recite all the different failures of of our families and other people in other you know friends or so who didn't do well or their businesses suffered and i would always say that business is is something that's what they do and they're doing something for the world and and you know what would you do if you didn't have a shopkeeper who sold you something i mean they're serving us Mm -hmm. yeah but they are a shopkeeper they're not educated so education was a big thing for 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 us in the family so you know you you keep talking your voice down okay, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this because it's being repeated to you every day. And even in my, you know, the, the I'm like in my early 40s by this time and I'm being told this. So now on reflection, it feels like I was waiting for my dad to pass away and then make that decision. That is not the case. That's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he passed on uh, and it took, you know, there were four more years before I actually quit, quit the job. So... I would say it kind of coincided with other things that were happening outside of us but my unfulfillment or the need to be more utilized and fully utilized about you know of my experiences and my expertise I just felt unfulfilled and underutilized and I th- thought there was another another outlet that I could find and business was it and um, so the big catalyst however was uh, when when you know, uh, my family and I were swept away in the tsunami of 2004. That was it. I had already had enough um, situations within within the job that I felt I was kind of done. Mm-hmm. I actually resigned twice. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did not take my resignation twice in the previous two years. Typical resignations on Wall Street are right after January when they get paid their bonuses. <laughs> um, so I resigned twice in two, two February's consecutively. And then this time uh, the tsunami was in December and I came back from the holidays and and the survival. survival, And there was there was nothing to even it's not like I was asking for permission. It was already done. So that was the catalyst uh, to go do something. If I wasn't going to do it now, how long will I live? Because, you know, I've already had by that time three near death experiences. And the tsunami was a big one. And, and that was it. So what am I waiting? Uh, If I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So I took the because I had nothing to lose at that point. Um, Except I would have a failed business, so to speak at the most.
0: So in our work as coaches, Mm. we talk about this quite a bit. What would you say is the reason why we wait until until something really magnificent, awful, you know, until our backs are against the wall, why do we wait to act or make those big life changing decisions? Because our work today is really about helping not just ourselves, but our clients really Mm -hmm. shift that consciousness for people to be able to make decisions and act from an inspired place versus Mm -hmm. acting from a place where they're in survival mode yes and typically when we're waiting until it's so bad Mm -hmm. it's survival mode right so you know in our work today and what what you've learned about yourself and what you are observing with you know perhaps some of our clients you know your friends What do you think that is? And what do you think it will take to change it?
1: Well, that's a great question, Trisha, because what I often hear is that, well, that's great for you, because you had all these experiences, I haven't had these magnificent, horrible, cushy job, whatever it was for you. Um, So it's easy for you to say, but I got to pay bills, I got to survive. So for me, yeah, I could say that, you know, as I said earlier, you use the word "cushy," From everyone's perception and their standpoint, I, I had a terrific job. I was at, at the highest level I could go in the firm, and what more was there to do. and But I for me, it was the, the, the angst and agony of just living paycheck to paycheck. And I don't mean that we weren't living well. it just meant that it still felt. you had to, you had to be tied to this thing, otherwise you weren't going to do this. Uh, you weren't gonna go do what you want to do in your dream life, so you know you, you, you I, I, we had no way to do side hustles back in the day. But but to be honest, I wanted to write. I wanted to be able to have the time and the freedom, right? So we get we get scared of what my lifestyle is gonna look like. If this goes away, what happens? If my business doesn't work, what happens? So to me, uh, it's so, so sorry, not about to me, but it's it's what are the reasons in our, you know, in today's world, people don't make that move. They'd rather die die unsatisfied.
0: Because there's no shortage (laughs) of people telling us that they're miserable in their jobs. And I think if anything that, you know, if anything, what COVID presented was an opportunity for people to experience a break from that. And we know of a a lot of people, perhaps people listening to this, um, over the course of, you know, last year, realized that they weren't happy with the way they were living, but Mm. they didn't have time to think about it. And then all of a sudden, the big pause for everybody gave Mm -hmm. everybody the time and space to actually assess, you know, what? I don't actually want to keep going this way. So, you know, speak to that a little bit. Um, You know, why is that? Why is this time now? so important and critical for people who perhaps hear that voice Mm -hmm. and have not given it a chance to you know to really be heard
1: you know nothing is without risk right so clearly you're 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 afraid of your lifestyle being you know compromised or what if this happens my kids can't go to private school anymore i mean listen i've been there my kids were in private school and then had to go to public school that was a change caused by the entrepreneurship. Like, hey, you know, you suddenly become more conscious of what it means to serve others, and you can't just do it and living your lifestyle. So there are sacrifices to make. But I'll tell you, I left in 2005. We'd already been through two or three major economic cycles prior to that, downturns and some upturns too. Um, You know, the the dot-com bust happened, and right after that, you know, there were other... Things that came up and new opportunities came up, but today's world, post COVID, I would say this is the most magnificent time that that exists. From not only the plethora of technologies and conveniences, and the world is at your fingertips. You know, leaving aside the 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 ills of COVID, you know, uh, and all the unfortunate things that have happened, people also knew that you actually could could do things sitting at home very creatively. right? Mm-hmm. So you could write, um, uh, you could create new things, you could talk to customers and clients or colleagues and relatives all around the world. So just the depth and the breadth of opportunity opportunities that exist today is, are so many more. So yeah, are there risks? Of course there are risks. The question is, are you a risk taker and what is your threshold? Because the the cost of not doing something to live your dreams i think that's what you need to focus on um, for me the cost was too big yes i can take care of my kids i mean my kids will be fine if it's education that they're focused on you know the, the whole idea is that they will go live their lives you know who has said that we should leave our kids everything we have our millions of dollars that we do over the years and create you know real estate properties etc cetera, etc cetera, and then they all, that all goes to your children that is old. I think it's time that people thought that there is more to the to 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 life than just living it for you and your family. You sh- you do that's your first responsibility, but I think there is there is a with the widening and and deepening of the uh, and and maybe the the recent awakeness that's come through this past couple of years and it's it's been happening for a while. I think it's time to tap into that and and type to, to to tap into faith and tap tap into trusting that you know there is more to life than simply you know grinding it out from you know nine to nine nine to five or whatever the in my case it was seven to seven uh, you know every day that's just not healthy
0: let's talk about that let's talk about your children because we speak to people I know I do I speak to people all the time who would love to leave their jobs and you know start something else And the first worry they have is their children, you know, that they have to make these sacrifices because of the children. Mm. Um, And I I heard what you were saying before, but if you could elaborate on it, what do you think your children have learned um, because you did choose to give life to your dreams? What what's been... um, You know the upside of that for them
1: well i have two sets of children um the first ones probably saw the worst of you know my early life struggling you know to make a living in the beginning and you know and working through that so i'm sure their takeaways are a little bit different than my younger children who uh the two younger boys so i'd say let me just say that for my younger children, at least, I know that for, for a fact, that they have seen so many ups and downs of, uh, and mostly downs of, of of the entrepreneurship because of how I have sort of worked through things. And I just, I'm, I'm blessed to have these these boys who understand it's not about just sacrifice, but it's also about living with, living life fully with all of the, the negative emotions and the positive emotions. And the joy that you get from pursuing something because it's, it's irreplaceable. I can't even explain it. You know, so if I'm blocking time to let's say, you know, read or, or get inspired by something wonderful or writing, they see me write. Um, and then we discuss quite deep issues, you know, with each other. And it's just maybe because I, I, I was wiser, so to speak, with many experiences with, you know, by the time these boys came along, I'd say that um, I think their experience is probably different than my older kids who who also see that uh, they, they see my toil. I don't know that they, they feel the joy necessarily because they're, they're married and they have their own lives. It's just that... Uh, I think it's I think it's great to see that, you know, you can face anything if you're thrown a challenge that you also have the ability that's been given to you by, you know, by God or nature to go dig deeper and and fight whatever you need to fight or not fight, but but deal with it, cope with it. And and then you you rise from it. Um, I mean, incidentally, the boys lost their mother at a young age. So that was six years ago. I mean, I can't even imagine losing a mother when you're so young. Um, and look, they've they worked through so many things of their own. I mean, this is their journey for them to have this challenge that they that they had to face and are still coping. Um, I don't know. I just think that um, it was probably the the idea of being free and not being shackled to the nine to five or the whatever. Hours we spent at work, and, and they know that I travel like a madman during, during those years. And I did travel a hell of a lot, too, during my entrepreneurship years. But I think there were many times that I think all of this, um, call it challenge, call it hurdles, also brought us together in mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a big bond, a deeper bond here with, with as they see these things unfold. Mm-hmm. And they also trust um, that not everything is programmed in life. And, and these two have total freedom to do what they want to do with their lives. Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. Because we do say that entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Correct. And if you're listening to this and you're questioning or contemplating uh, going on that journey, it really does require building up your tolerance not just for risk, but your tolerance to be able to feel and withstand the full breadth of human emotions Mm. available to us. Uh, Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to feel all of it and you're going to own it Mm. because it isn't, you know, it isn't your boss. It isn't someone else that works with you that didn't pull their weight if you own your own business, if you're doing something that is is uniquely yours and you're using, mm. you know, that authentic expression of you to be of service to others, mm. of course you're going to take that personally. and And I think what we're learning on this journey is that it's yours, but it isn't just yours, right? Yep. Can you, can you speak to that? Cause That's that a... I think is like, that is the, there is a piece of you that needs to tap into your ego. And at the same time you have to tap into humility. So can you speak to that?
1: Oh Lord, this is loaded. <laughs> Do we have time for that?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: um, so as I reflect back on my first startup, I think I singularly ignored the calls of humility. Because I was in charge, I was the boss. I, I, I could do wrong, I could make mistakes, but whatever I was going to do, success or otherwise was gonna be my own. And, <clears throat> and then when you have other investors that come into your business and, and what they would like to see and all of that, I would be honest, honest and say my ego was very huge and it got in the way
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the success of that business because mm-hmm. I was not listening to people with different expertise and, and, and wisdom that they had. So I, I also knew that...
0: When you say you're not listening, because uh, we are speaking to both conscious yes. leaders, when you say you're not listening, is that the same as you weren't willing to receive?
1: I was not willing to receive. So as we teach and coach our clients today, listen, uh, we need the ego to negotiate. We need the ego to be in its place to help you uh you know demand or sell or do whatever but
0: open up the bank account account. (laughs) (laughs) name it the way you want it to be named yes to even put it out there you need your humanness
1: correct and then you then you feel like well i'm i'm a boss i'm also an employer and then i realized what hit me about the humility piece third second or third year into our business listen we were employing like 40 or 50 people um and where this business was in india and culturally, you were, you were married to these people, and their families were married to you as the employer, and they would look up to you. So thanks for employing my daughter or my son. And then, as a result, whether they had spouses or kids or whatever, it was like, oh, my God, it was a big, so I, was, I felt at some point, a realization, oh, my God, we're, we're employers of these, these great people who have lives and we that we impact. So so i think at some point along the way it hit me that we need to be a little bit more not only a little bit more very employee conscious and very employee friendly uh, so so there has been all of that learning um i don't know if i answered that question but i know there's more to the question and the layers that you were asking it is it is it is um really it's very hard to be clear that if you're off service you're serving your clients no you're serving more than clients you're serving your clients you're serving your employees and that's why you become an entrepreneur because you're creating hopefully a positive ripple effect from your business
0: So how can having more humility help somebody offset that pressure
1: Offset the pressure of the fact that you're
0: of now you're you're not only your business owner yeah you're also an employer an employer how do you how do you how does all that not go to someone's head right how Mm -hmm. does humility offset the pressure that leaders in any walk of life can sometimes put on themselves thereby limiting their ability to truly impact long term Mm -hmm. and sustain it well I think it's
1: very clear that you know humility means that you're not alone and you recognize that you cannot do anything without other people so I think that I already had in me. I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do everything. I'd like to be in control, and that's to a fault sometimes. Like, I want to be in control. But there is no question that, you know, the pressure of having the right people, that you have not only a, a process where you, you are able to filter and get in the right people that, that are right for your culture of the organization. And, I mean, now you and I are, in, are are my sixth startup, so to speak, right? So it's, it's, it's something, yet again, to build from scratch with a different mindset and here it's even more hard than than probably i had in the first few startups because there were partners i had that were, that were very different um so you have to combine that with practices that keep you humble you know whether it's silence and meditations and and play games and enjoy some time with your with your you know your own family along with sometimes your employees so we used to create lots of i don't mean team building exercises but i really mean a camaraderie of sorts that hey we're we're not alone in this you know we have a life at stake as well and none of this is about me business owner taking all the profits because it's shared and that took many lessons and that took many uh, you know times to be able to get to that realization Mm -hmm. that wow man we're we're doing something Beyond us, we're not just having a business to, you know, put some money in our pockets at the end of the day. So while you have to be mindful of the numbers, you also have to be super heart led, I would say. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy.
0: So, someone listening, mm-hmm. what are some practices, you you mentioned some, you know, doing making sure you're setting aside time um, for ways to build those relationships to deepen the connections. But for you as an individual, how do you tap into that humility? How do you make it so that it's not something that just shows up when you need it to show up, but it becomes a part of you, it becomes part of your fabric?
1: Well, Having had six near deaths, including the tsunami, I can tell you this, that I know that I am, as an individual, I'm just nothing in this world. So the biggest realization was when when we nearly lost our youngest child there, and I remember saying a prayer, oh my God, this is, you know, so, so I knew the moment of survival was, well, God, Lord, let me survive my children. It was the moment of realization when you when you when you were rescued, you were you survived. You see all these people um, who are either you know somehow somehow survived or, or made it. That you're no different than these people, um, and you had nothing. We had nothing on our feet, nothing on our bodies, and it was like you just so you were, so what if you're a managing director at Morgan Stanley or whatever job you have? It doesn't matter. So life is fickle. Life is so short. Uh, in these bodies this wasn't so So, so humility lit, literally like was poured over us or me at least and then I had my first startup and then you lost that humility then you just didn't listen to people don't, you were not present with them and so on and so forth so, so for me my own practices are I just I just crave at least an hour or two of silence with myself every day I don't want to talk to anyone I'm in my I'm in my cocoon I find that Extremely rejuvenating, even if I'm doing nothing. Mm. Uh, I could be reading a book, but I just need silence. So I don't always get it. I mean, of course, we're all sleeping, you know, whatever hours of the day. But but I mean, silence while you're awake. That's that's um, intentional. And then you're deliberate about it. What Whether do you, say you med- to
0: people that, you know, are, they say they're too busy. They're too busy. An hour. Did he just say an hour yeah, of silence? What do you say I, to those people?
1: Well, I'm sorry. We all have the same 24 hours as whether you're the president of a company, the country, or you're a worker or janitor. It doesn't matter. We all have the same linear time available to us. But to create, presumably people listening to this want to also be creative, co-create things that they want to see in their lives. That takes, does not take the hours. It just takes a certain type of flow that you have to get into and so that allows this silence allows me to at least be within me yes you this is not about simply meditating i mean it could be meditative i'm not talking about guided meditations i mean you can do those too but just sitting in silence with nothing um is very therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. um and sometimes i don't get it but it's something you have to be intentional about um because then the rest of the the day you're not struggling you know on the do 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 and then I didn't get this done that didn't get that done I was a big time management guy and I used to teach about it frankly that's all gone by the wayside you only want to focus on one or two or three most important things in the, for the day and you let the rest go I know it's easy to say hard to practice and I go through those practices every single day I know what I'm not doing and that's okay
0: And what does it feel like when you don't do them? Or when you, because you know, we're human, we're not robots. So, with the best of our intentions, we know what practices uh, help us start the day off on the best foot. But what does it feel like to you? Let's talk, let's talk about what does it feel like? Not practical, but for those listening, Mm -hmm. what happens when you don't get to? Take care of you first. What does the day look and feel like?
1: Well, when you don't take care of yourself, it's like anything else. You're just on a slippery slope and. You know, you're going to rattle yourself, you're going to blame yourself, judge yourself, Um, somehow you feel like you you lost control or you're in control of what somebody else has to feel. You got to let go because you got to start with forgiveness of whatever you did or didn't do. Now, of course, we're all responsible to clients and, and, you know, other people in our lives. We have our duties. But for those, you know, who think you think that you take care of yourself, but that means you you didn't take care of somebody else. I think that's just that's not even true. I mean, you take care of yourself. That's how you take care of everybody else. Um,
0: What would you say to the moms listening to this that have children?
1: Because this is really, what you're saying
0: is really, uh, it's a thing. It's a thing, especially for women, especially if they're mothers.
1: I totally get it. Because as a single dad and, you know, taking care of children, I know that. So my hats always are off to to single moms or moms who are simply, you know, even if they're not single, they're taking care of their kids and working perhaps, right? Mm -hmm. It is very hard, but, but, but you will be so much so much more effective, so much more loving, I would say, if you just took care of you because you have th- that, that whatever time you take for yourself uh, in, in whatever practices you want to adopt for yourself can be so rejuvenating that you will feel some inner joy that will come through in all your interactions with, with, um, with others that you, you know, whether it's your spouse or Kids, I, it does. I just know that when you when you when you miss that practice once or twice a week, it does have, you know, a, a more stressful outcome, and that doesn't feel good for anyone. I shouldn't have said that to my kids. I, I just blurted that, and that was just. So it's because I wasn't really taking care of me. Well, you know, we all know the the big plane announcement. If you don't take care, if take care of your mask first before you put the mask on somebody else uh, or you know so it's the same idea but yeah you got to take care of yourself Uh, you got to sleep you got to nurture your own bodies before you are going all out to to do things for others and I think it's it's very common and almost cliche to say that but it's it's true
0: and that's true for anybody whether they're in a job Mm -hmm. or they're an entrepreneur but let's switch to entrepreneurship because I know that Especially today we've seen a shift in the conversation around you know self-care practices when you're an entrepreneur because for a long time the you know everything out there was about hustle, 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 grind, 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 you don't need to sleep, you don't have time to do that, you have to meet deadlines, especially if you have a launch coming up or this. And nowadays we're definitely seeing a shift where You have very successful influencers or entrepreneurs out there really promoting the idea of taking care of yourself, uh, making sure you're getting enough sleep, eating the right foods to get the right nourishment. Uh, Can you speak to that about your own journey with your own health? And because I've, I've heard you say before, you're much healthier today than mm-hmm. than you were when you were in a job.
1: <laughs> I got pictures to prove it. <laughs> um, I, I'd say the the shift happened, uh, you know, obviously, when you when you survive some major situations, you realize uh, what you're capable of doing and what you're not capable of doing. And I have grand I have four grandkids and know i wanted i had that vision i wrote wrote it out a few years ago like what do i want my ideal higher self body to be Mm -hmm. uh, and my health to be and and once i recognize that health is really crucial and then of course my wife uh got diagnosed stage four cancer at a young age and then you then you that simply even more you know validates your desired notion to be healthy and then everything shifts so yeah, it, it's always like something major has to happen for you to make a shift. Or you see someone that's a loved one for you that, you, you know, has something happens to them and you make a shift. But why wait for that, right? So, well, in, in, in our case, it already happened. So I made that shift because I figured I want to study. It's not just about consulting nutritionists and doctors and so on, but really listening to your body and listening to or, or really detaching for a moment from what you're used to eating and you know consuming and then when you make that shift and you research and you study and you practice and i mean other than other than that what is what does everybody what does everybody know about what it is to be healthy you know lose some weight eat right and, and exercise well these are all clichés but you have to understand it for you and so when i when i decided to go on that uh, mission to to find myself about that was about nine years ago So yeah, I, I was my highest weight back then and I realized that your body is your only gateway to to um, you know to being healthy and to have more discoveries and more freedom and more joy and more Fun things you do with your children and grandchildren, etc. I decided to make a shift now I guess that, that, that was a question you were asking. Well, please. what
0: advice would you give these, you know, uh, the past year, we've seen a rise, a sharp rise in people entering entrepreneurship. Yes. There's a lot more people that have left corporate or perhaps they were furloughed and decided they're going to give it a go, mm-hmm. have their own businesses. So these people who are starting, you know, they have their startups, they're launching something (laughs) from the ground. What advice would you give them when it comes to taking care of their health?
1: I would say three things. Number one, you need to first figure out what your routines are. And for me, the biggest thing was sleep. You know, I was so happy and proud, a Wall Streeter that slept four hours a night in the morning, you
0: were still singing that tune I when I met you two years ago, and really? I remember looking at you like,
1: "What?" I was singing that tune. <laughs> I was simply saying that that's what I got got away with, but you, you...
0: still you were still telling I me was... that you didn't need a lot of sleep, and I remember being in India, oh, and Lord. we did an episode on sleep, <laughs> and you were telling our clients there that. We did. We didn't agree on sleep, and I okay. said at least seven hours yes. is,
1: is so, good. So there was okay. We're not going to go into contours. <laughs> sleep. sleep, whatever that means to, for your body, is crucial—not just in hours, but the quality, right? So I was the happy guy with four hours of sleep, but but I know that over time that didn't help me, which is why I had the condition that I that I did. And when I made the shift, it was, you know, a big part of it was to to yeah to sleep. To sleep differently, to sleep longer. So I think today my average is six or seven hours, um, but that's just in the linear time. But I think these other practices that 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 um, that I did allowed me to get away with less. That was the point okay. I was making. So, so sleep think is one. Sleep is number one. Number two, I think the the journaling that I keep talking about, whether it's I mean, you introduced me to future journaling or of some, some sort that mine was something else, but it was kind of the same tag, future journaling. And I throw that with throw in that with gratitude. So writing something that you're really thankful for, which tends to be of the past, or, or it could be the present, you really also want to become grateful for your future. So I, I throw that into one journaling practice. And I think, you know, reflecting... Or intending in the morning, whichever works for you, I think can can go such a long way. To say if you're about to launch something, or you're in this in this in this things, you got to find a way to be calm, because you're dealing with if you're building a business, you're going to deal with outside people, your clients, your your your, your team members, or you know interview a thousand people and you know find that person that you're really going to resonate with, and what they're going to resonate with your business. So it's very important to really. Get more in touch with yourself. So these, whether it's sleep or journaling, is a practice to really get in touch with you. And and third, I I really cannot emphasize the idea of breath work, which goes along with meditation. I think just a few minutes of that can be so powerful. Because what does anyone tell you when you're stressed out? Take a deep breath. (laughs) Take a deep breath. It's not just taking a deep breath. You need to have a practice of deep breathing. Not just once or twice, but several times a day, and as you know, we, you and I, are, you know, do this work, and it takes it takes little intention to allow that practice to to uh, to, to, to to actually take hold, and then it it flows, and it just the, the the productivity just multiplies, and you get into that you know the the flow I mentioned earlier. It's so powerful, but people just think of these as little you know. Oh well, this is very commonsensical but geez we well don't. we
0: know common sense is not common Practice. <laughs> you see that all the time when you're driving <laughs> common sense is not common so if you're an entrepreneur or you're an employee looking to become an entrepreneur or you're new on the journey these are just some of the practices that you know you can take a look at how much sleep are you getting Do you have a journaling practice? I, for me, I always call it collecting evidence. Mm. You know, for me, when I'm beginning uh, something new, especially when you're starting something, you're not going to be as confident yet. And part of what builds confidence is, you know, collecting evidence because we are wired. We're programmed to remember what goes wrong. Yes. And we're not, we're not quite as good at remembering when things go our way, which if you start collecting evidence, you'll actually realize that things go your way way more yes. than when they don't. And so for those of you looking to feel more courageous, who want to be more bold, journaling is one of the best ways to build up your own self-confidence just by doing something simple like, you know, writing down five things that went well today. Um, and there's more, you know, we, yeah, I mean, we, we have many, we practice have many practices, I mean. but yeah. the sleep is important because nobody can do anything without sleep, right? Your yes. creativity is going to be shot, your ability to respond well, to pay attention to details. It's not going to be, you're not going to be as alert if you're yeah. not awake. So sleep journaling and then the breathwork and the meditation—it's like how do you, it, it, you know, for me, not doing the the meditation, not doing the breathwork is like not brushing your teeth. <laughs> it really is. But you got to get
1: it to that point. You see, we we you want. You do
0: have to get it to that point. We
1: want unconscious good habits, right? Unconscious by, by definition, habits are unconscious. So a good habit to brush your teeth. It, it, it should It should get to, the meditation should get to that stage. So it doesn't feel like, oh my God, it's a chore. It cannot be a chore.
0: It's a. It really truly is a practice. And some days it's beautiful and amazing. And, you know, all kinds of downloads occur. And, and mm-hmm. we're like, wow. And some days it's a little bit more challenging. Yes. You know, there's moments where I can't get it to do what I need it to do, which is exactly why... Then you I surrender to, to it, yes. right? So, I think it's just um, it, the breathwork and the meditation for me is what allows me to observe me. Me, exactly. And if we yep. can, if we can somehow practice doing that, observing ourselves versus having just our world revolve around how mm. we see it. Mm-hmm then the likelihood that you'll be able to broaden your perspective to meet any challenges that come your way will be much higher. Mm -hmm. You're not going to fall victim every Mm -hmm. time something outside of you doesn't go the way you'd like it to go. So those are...
1: Well, I I just... Sorry, you finished that.
0: No, go ahead.
1: I was going to say that, you know, why, why are these things important? I think ultimately what we're saying is that the the living in the five senses is 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 wonderful for our bodies you know because we experience you know pleasurable foods and wonderful sights and in our lives but what this these practices for sure do is that they they allow you to get in touch with your true self right it's who you are you're as you were just saying you're observing you that's your time to observe you and that intentional practice, it's not easy. It's not easy. A lot of times I give up. I go, okay, I can't do this right now. And you take a little walk and you come back and then maybe reconnect. It it then allows you to to really feel connecting with things that you didn't even know existed within you. And then you become more bold and you become more, oh, I can do this. And you don't know how it's going to get done, but you can do this. So I think these practices are are just there just I mean, there are many more than these three, but I think these are essential to really sharpen your intuition.
0: And this is why we say that entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey. Yes, because for anybody to actually be able to overcome their humanness, their ego, mm-hmm. right, because we are we are human beings mm-hmm. and we're spiritual beings, first and foremost, Yes. having a human experience. So for, for anyone to actually be able to defy the five senses and to create something out of thought, whether it's a product or a service, to bring it to, to market, to sell it, to actually use it as a vehicle to make the world better mm. for the users and, and for, you know, for you as the entrepreneur, do you see why you have to tap into your spiritual beingness? Because the world isn't always going to show you. It won't show you immediate evidence. Mm-hmm. There's such a thing called delay time when you're manifesting. And when you're an entrepreneur, There's plenty of delay time, and the delay time is designed to really help you reach that part of you that is going to be able to expand into who this next level is that you're becoming as a result of your willingness to tap into the uncertainties. Because unlike a job where you can you're basically executing on someone's plans yep. or even if you take a risk, you're basically protected by, you know, the company. Mm-hmm. When you're doing this on your own, you might be bootstrapping it. I mean you're your probably your house is on the line. <laughs> like, you know, everything is on the line. That belief in yourself and in your product or your service, that's really gotta come from somewhere so deep. Mm-hmm so deep that even with obstacles and challenges that show up in front of you you're going to feel so connected to it that no matter what you're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other Mm. and be willing to let it unfold and that's why we say entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey Mm. so any last words for now anyway until we do another episode any any other pieces of advice that you could think of for anyone who is you know perhaps ready to make the switch or maybe they just made the switch and this is you know our podcast might be a vehicle for encouragement to keep them going anything else you want to share
1: i would say that you know if if any of this inspires you helps you uh, tap into a couple of these practices. Um, really ask yourself, we're not saying, oh, you shouldn't be happy in your job. No, we, we want you to be more courageous and bold even within your job to achieve the highest levels you can. Reach out to people, You know, get mentors and coaching, whatever you need to do to really, to really tap into your highest power that you have that you're not exploiting, perhaps, you know, if you're in that camp where you feel this, I've lost my purpose or, you know, whatever makes you feel unfulfilled, etc. You have, there is no question, you have so much more to offer. Maybe you have hobbies and that's okay too. You know, you have superpowers that, you know, no one else has that are unique to you. So I would say, you know, think about these, take these three practices to begin and discover yourself and, and you know, And again, what do you got to lose? I mean, this is one life to live. Now, of course, we say it's a spiritual journey. Our business is a spiritual journey, but um, and that we say we're spirits first. You know, maybe that's not your truth. Well, then go discover what that is for you Um, because it's important uh, to spend time with yourself. I mean, all a lot of work that we do here is very satisfying because we're asking people to go inside because all the answers are within you.
0: Yeah. And if you're listening to this, you probably do believe that you just, <laughs> so what the best way I guess to wrap this up too, is to remind you that we are live and in the show notes, you can uh, go on, go click on the link yeah. to our website and you can also book a strategy session with us and we're always offering that to people like yourself who Mm -hmm. are just looking for um more clarity and we're really good at asking you questions deeper questions deeper 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 questions Um, for your benefit it does take questions in order for you to gain clarity so don't try to figure this out on your own it's a big decision we understand that and if you'd like our support click on the link in the show notes below and you can book a session with us awesome well thank you
1: well thank you and this is um, you know delightful to To be on the other side of the fence for for a bit being asked questions so it's it's great
0: yes and we'll do it again until next time take care Bye. bye bye
1: we bring you these conversations to inspire you on your journey to encourage you to excite you and sustain your enthusiasm on this trip
0: we know it's not easy we've been there before and that's why we put together something that will support you go to our Instagram account at Bold Conscious Leaders. There is a link in the bio for a masterclass that you can access for free called How to Transition from Employee to Entrepreneur.
1: So subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review and give us some feedback so we know what sort of topics to bring you in the future.
0: And like anything else in life, nothing changes if nothing changes. And all you need is just one idea, one idea that just might change the trajectory of your life. So please go be bold.
1: Focus on the what and the why and let the how unfold.